2: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 51 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good Joey, how are you? Very good, very good. Now, I actually wasn't on last week's show, of course, and um, we've got you back now. And um, I, I've got a sneaky suspicion that the reason you wasn't on last week's show was because you didn't want to live up to the fact that we're now 2-1 on the scoreboards, on the Prediction League, I should say. Um, obviously, you were you were leading the way 2-0 for quite a while, and then you picked um, you picked Kelbrook to win his fight against Golovkin. I picked Golovkin to win, so I moved to 2-1. So I just want to make sure that you've written that score down now.
3: Oh yes, definitely. I've written that score down already.
2: Okay, make sure, make sure. All right, we're going to jump straight into part one. We're going to jump straight into part one. We're going to start over in Philadelphia. This happened on the Thursday night. Um, Last week's show went out on a Thursday night, so it was a couple of hours before this fight took place, but I did mention it. It was over in Philadelphia, of course. Top of the bill, Dusty Hernandez-Harrison. He's been on our show before. He moved to 30-0. He's, of course, got the one draw with a unanimous decision win after 10 rounds over Thomas LaManna he also picked up the vacant USBA welterweight title and also on that bill, young prospect mentioned him a bunch of times Devin Haney, he cruised to 10-0 with a TKO in the 5th round over his opponent Mike Fowler, now that was it for the Thursday, now we're going to go over to the Friday of last week now a bill taking place over in Denmark Lalenga Mock topped the bill and he picked up his 36th professional win, it was a 10 round unanimous decision win over Derek Finley, So his record now 36 wins, 14 losses and one draw. The only reason we mention him, of course, is because he knocked down David Hay once upon a time. He's kind of built his name off of that, if you like. Uh, That's it for that one. We're now going to go over to a card that happened over in Japan. We're just cruising from continent to continent here very, very quickly. Top of the bill, Shinsuke Yamanaka. I think that's how you say his first name. He took on Enselmo Marino. Now, Yamanaka had a record of twenty. 25-0 with the two draws. Marino, 36 wins, four losses, and one draw. It was for Yamanaka's WBC, a world bantamweight title, a real hot division that at the moment. And Marino was down in the first round, so it was a bad start for him. He was also down in the... 6th round but Yamanaka was down in the 4th round so both men were down um, by the the 5th round in the 6th as I said Marino was put down for the 2nd time and then in round 7 Marino was put down twice so Yamanaka actually got the TKO in that round 7 so a good win for him but certainly a lot of questions there he took on an opponent, really, 31 years of age, been in 40-odd bouts. He's a lot older, and Yamanaka's a lot fresher, youth on his side. It was a bit questionable. I think it took a while for Yamanaka to get going, but nonetheless, a good win for him. And also on that bill, the WBC World Super Bantamweight title was being contested. Hazumi Hazagawa, the champion, he retained his belt with a retirement in the ninth round his opponent Hugo Ruiz 36 and 3 his record going into this bout he actually um, he didn't come out for the 10th round he retired on his store at the end of the ninth so Hugo Ruiz now as I said 36 wins in the four losses and the champion Hazegawa retains his belt and he picks up his 36th career win of course he's got the five losses probably viewed as one of the weaker champions in the super bantamweight division so it'd be interesting what the future holds for that that one. Uh, That's it for Asia. That's it for Japan certainly for the Friday. Uh, We're now going to go over, of course, still on the Friday, we're going to go over to the Cosmopolitan over in Las Vegas. Top of the bill Ishe Smith, 28-8 and going into this bout. He took on Frank Galaza, 17-1 and with the two draws. Ishe Smith put his man down in round two, so a good start to the fight from Ishe Smith on this Mayweather card and of course, um, he managed to pick up the win, but it was a majority decision after 10 rounds, so it was a little bit close after that knockdown. I think Ishe Smith maybe thought he had it in the bag early, and a lot of the late rounds, Frank Galaza actually managed to nick, so um, a good close contest, to be honest, but Ishe Smith nonetheless marches on with his 29th career win there. Also on the bill, a bit of an upset here, well, not a bit of an upset, quite a big upset, Dominique Dalton, 17-0 and undefeated going into his bout against Justin Deloach, who only had one loss on his record in 16 fights. He was 15 and 1. He took on Dominic Dalton. Dominic Dalton was expected to win here. Um, He was of course the home fighter if you like and he lost unanimously after 10 rounds including one of the judges scorecard. Had it 99 to 91 in favor of Justin Deloach. So a hugely um, wide gap there and Dominic Dalton served up his first professional loss. So it'd be interesting to see how he bounces back after that. Also on the bill we had him on our show a couple of weeks back. J Leon Love, he cruised to 23 wins with the one loss. He picked up a TKO win in round six over Deshaun Johnson. Good to get a knockout there. Deshaun Johnson's been in there and mixed it with some big names. Doesn't really get stopped too often, even though he's got 19 losses. So a good a good win there for Leon Love there to get the stoppage. Also on that bill, Sharif Bouguer in his 30th professional contest. He picked up his 29th win there. Of course, he's got the one loss with a TKO in round five over Luis Flores who had a record of 21 and four, now 21 and five. Also on the bill, Lanel Bellows. He was expected to win his fight. Another upset on this bill. He lost a split decision over eight rounds against DiCarlo Perez. So DiCarlo Perez now 16 wins, five losses and one draw. And Lanel Bellows, woo, woo, woo. I don't know what he's going to do from here because that was a fight he was definitely expected to win. So all the best to Linnell Bellows. I hope he can bounce back again. A good fighter with some decent um, decent chances of becoming a big name in the division that he's in. Of course, the, uh, the light heavyweight ranks. But that's it for America. We're now going to come over to Saturday. It's now Saturday of last week. Of course, the 17th of September. We're going to go over to Germany. Firat Arslan topped the bill against Nuri Seferi. Now this was for the vacant WBO European Cruiserweight title. Firat Arslan picked up a unanimous decision win after 12 rounds so he becomes the new WBO European Cruiserweight champion. His record now 38 wins, 8 losses and 2 draws. His opponent 37 wins and 8 losses so both men, I remember saying it last week, both men had 37 wins on their record it was set to be a good fight and Arslan got the job done also on that bill, Caro Murat former victim of uh, both Nathan Cleverly and Bernard Hopkins. He picked up the vacant WBA international light heavyweight title. He got his man out of there in the 12th round, left it very late. His man only had 12 fights under his belt at the time going into the ring. It was pretty bizarre. Eight and four his record. I did say it was a bit of a strange one, but he got the job done. He got the stoppage even though he left it late. And that's his 30th career win there for Caro Murat. His record now 30 wins, three losses and one draw. Manuel Char was also on this bill. He picked up his 30th win also on the bill, and this was a 10-round unanimous decision win in his favour. He's still got the four losses on his record, and he defeated Sefer Seferi, who had a record of 21-0, now 21-1. Mangmul Shah also picked up the vacant WBA international heavyweight title in that bout, and also on that bill, another strange one, the Cuban Odlanier Solis. He picked up his 22nd career win. He's, of course, got the three losses with a points win after eight rounds over pretty much unknown Alexander Todorovic who had a record of 8 wins, 9 losses and 1 draw that's now 8 wins, 10 losses and 1 draw so I expected Solis to get a stoppage here and he didn't to be honest but nonetheless he got the win but that's it for Germany. We're now going to go over to Poland. A real good fight. This card was picked up by Sky Sports uh, last minute, and it was one that I was going to tune into, and I did, of course. Um, I'm going to start with the undercard. Um, really, one fight to mention on that undercard for me. Andrzej Warzik. I think I'm pronouncing his name so wrong. He had a record of 32-1 and one going into his fight against um, Polish-born but Red Hill resident um, Albert Sosnowski, 49 wins, seven losses and two draws going into this fight. He was hoping to pick up his 50th career win. A huge, huge re- record, but never really mixed it at a high, high level. And when he has, he's been stopped and, and beaten up. And, of course, um, he was in there a little bit deeper than than he than he liked, to be honest. He couldn't, um, he couldn't swim when thrown in deep water. Warzyk ended up picking up a TKO in round six. So he cruises to 33-1, and one, and he'll be looking for a big crack at the, or at least one of the belts or one of the titles in due time. He looked pretty good, Wozniak. And again, we just don't know what Sosnowski had left. I think it's time for him to hang up the gloves, to be honest. But I'm sure he'll want to try and get that 50th win before that. But he kind of lost every round. So he really has to go back to the drawing board and give it a big think. Now, the main event of this card was a real good fight. It was one that was highly anticipated. Both men unbeaten. Somebody's O had to go. The champion, Krzysztof Glowak, the WBO world cruiserweight champion, of course, put his belt on the line against former gold medalist in the Olympics, Alexander Usyk. Now we know that Usyk was relatively inexperienced in the pro ranks uh, a real extensive amateur career impressive as I said about the gold medal there he was 9-0 and Glowacki was 26-0 and Usik was absolutely fantastic a real real good fight to watch if you want to see skills if you want to see how to move he was absolutely brilliant on his feet landing a, a real wide variety of different shots both hands he was brilliant Usik was absolutely brilliant and he he gets the win, so he puts the first loss on Glowacki's record, and he's now the WBO World Cruiserweight Champion in his 10th fight, so that's another impressive stat right there, so uh, Usyk was brilliant, and I really think he's going to be looking towards the other champions in the division, and uh, I mean, light heavyweight, is, there's a lot of good fighters at light heavyweight, there's a lot of good fighters at heavyweight, but just in between that, of course, this cruiserweight division is it's not too talented, I want to say, I don't want to knock anybody when I say that, I know that you've got Tony Bellew there, but I think that Usyk really, he could probably beat the rest of the champions, so I think he'll be trying to hunt them down sooner rather than later, and um, I really think he's got the beating of a lot, a lot of guys in that division, I'd say, I don't want to say it too quickly, I don't want to get ahead of, of myself, but I think he really is, if not the best, he's certainly second out of out of the rest of them. But that's it for Poland. We're now going to go over to the United States. Back over there, this this card happened over in Hampshire. Friend of the show, Gary spike Sullivan, he moved to 23 wins. Of course, he's got the two losses. He picked up a unanimous decision win after eight rounds over Jamie Barboza, who had a record of 19 wins and eight losses. Steve Collins Jr. was also on that bill. He picked up a KO in round two over Cristiano Pedro. Pedro. Pedro, Cristiano Pedro only had one professional contest on his record. It was one win. And Steve Collins Jr. now nine wins, zero losses and the one draw. Uh, That's it for Hampshire. We're now going to stay in America, but we're going to go over to Pennsylvania. Top of the bill, Brian Minto, former world title challenger, of course. He announced his retirement before the bout. I thought that perhaps if he lost, he might actually Fight once more, but he managed to get a win. He managed to get a KO as well, a TKO, I should say, in the fifth round over Andras Sumor, who had a record of 17 and 11 with one draw. So Brian Minto, if he keeps his word and stays retired now his record would have finished on 42 wins, 11 losses. So a good record, I guess. And um, he hung around way too long, but it's good to end on a high. So I hope he really does stick to his word and call it a day. That's it for Pennsylvania. We're going to stay in America once again. We're going to go over to the big one at the AT&T Stadium, the home of the Dallas Cowboys in Texas, USA. Top of the bill our very own Liam Beefy Smith putting his WBO World Super Welterweight title on the line against Saul Canelo Alvarez wow wow oh, wow everybody didn't really give a chance to Liam Smith a lot of people thought that he was going to get knocked out they thought he was going to go early it was kind of like the Golovkin and Brook fight to be honest, when everybody was talking about the fight beforehand, it was a little bit like, ah, oh, you know, this man's not good enough. This man's not good enough. It was a, it was always going to be a lot closer than the than the Brook fight and Gennady Golovkin fight going into it. That's all I can say, because I think Brook was brilliant in that Golovkin fight. As I say, I had it two rounds apiece going into the fifth round. He'd done a lot better than a lot of people expected him to do. But in this fight, it was always going to be... There was there was, there was was a depth in class, you know. There was always going to be a depth in class. But I just had that sneaky suspicion that Liam Smith might be able to pull it out of the bag, even though he's only fought much lesser um, opponents, you know, he's his, his best his best win on his record, really someone that many people wouldn't have even heard of. Certainly not your average, your average person on the street. And uh, that was over John Thompson. So he was going into this bout as a huge underdog, both sides of the Atlantic. And um, I've got to say, I really think that he done really well in parts of it. I really think he did. I think there were some rounds where he was, you know, he was pushing Canelo back. He had Canelo on the ropes. He was landing shots, but he just, his power couldn't bother Canelo. It was a real shame because it was like, I saw a tweet saying, you know, it was like Liam Smith went to a gunfight with a pea shooter. And I know that that's a bit of a harsh term, but it it was sort of like that. And I mean that in, you know, I mean that with no disrespect whatsoever. I'm a huge admirer of the Smith brothers. All four of them have been absolutely tremendous for British boxing. Really, really brilliant. Every single one of them, every single one of them. But I got to say here, um, i just got to be brutally honest, you know. He, he just wasn't good enough. And I'm not saying that because Liam Smith's a bad fighter. I'm saying it because Canelo just showed his class, you know. He's suited to 154. That is his weight division. He is suited to 154. I don't think he's as good when he moves up. I know he only goes up a pound, but when he was fighting, you know, the likes of Cotto and and a few other guys, I I really don't think he was that impressive. I think he looked brilliant. He was so, so sharp. You know, he he was amazing because I know that he, um, during the fight, I know that he'd hurt his right hand and it was was a bit... um, confusing. He said that afterwards and he was still throwing the right hand quite a lot, so people weren't too sure, but it turned out he actually suffered a fractured right thumb after the fight. That was confirmed. But um, Alvarez, he was really loading up on the left hands, which was really good to see. You know, he um, he was... He, sometimes he kind of threw like, like a, a left hook followed by a left uppercut followed by a left jab all within like a second. You know, it was just whack, whack, whack. So it was really impressive from... From Alvarez, and of course, while he's doing that, he's he's very much open to the overhand right. And um, Liam Smith just his timing was off, as he said himself. He just I don't know. He I don't want to say he wasn't himself because, as I say, he's never operated at that level. But he put in a great performance. He actually a lot of people didn't really give him a round. I think the commentary was a tiny bit harsh, even though Barry Jones is a good friend of mine. I think he was brilliant, but he wasn't good enough to win the majority of the rounds, he was, he was doing really good. He he wasn't getting mugged off. He wasn't disgracing himself whatsoever. I, I know I'm rambling on a bit now, but I just want to stress to people that he'd done really, really well. I'm, I'm really proud of him. I think he'd done exceptional, but he would win like, 1 minute 20 seconds of a round, but lose 1 minute 40 of a round. And it just seemed the same thing as the rounds were going on. But he did get a few rounds under his belt, maybe two or three. But um, I'll, get, I'll get down to what happened. So Alvarez was cut from a punch on his left eye. That was in the second round. Um, that was a a bit of a, a, bit of a slow start from from smith to be honest but he kind of warmed into the fight as it went on and smith was cut on his right eye from a punch in the fifth round smith was down in round seven and eight and of course down and out from a, a final body shot in the ninth he's um brilliant with his own body shots but he was getting hit with a few of them or too many of them and canelo he threw it like a like a dummy jab to the chest which kind of um, or, you know, like the chest, sort of shoulder, sort of face area, he threw it upstairs, as I should say. Um, Canelo just touched him upstairs and Liam Smith's hands come up and whack he just threw in the uh, the the finisher which which was of course a left hook to the body and it was devastating it hit him right you know right in the, in the in the perfect place it was just it was a great great punch and to be honest it's it's probably Liam Smith's signature punch you know he's he's fantastic and all the smith brothers are fantastic with their body shots but um he kind of he kind of he kind of got a taste of his own medicine a little bit But um, as I say, I'm gutted for Liam Smith because Liam Smith is a tremendous fighter and I think he can come again. But 154 really turning into a real hot division, especially if Canelo decides to stay there, which that's all unclear what's going on. Uh, That's it for that fight. So Liam Smith now gets his first career loss so 23 and one with the one draw and Canelo Alvarez now in his 50th fight he moved to 48 wins and of course he's got that one loss to Mayweather and that one draw so the final result a KO in round nine for Canelo but that's it for that fight we're going to move down the undercard the chief support, Gabriel Rosado, 23 and nine going into his fight against Willie Monroe Jr., 20 and two. Both guys knocked out by Gennady Golovkin, and it was a unanimous decision win over 12 rounds for Willie Monroe Jr. It was a really, really poor fight, really boring to be honest. Rosado was cut behind the head from an accidental foul during the fight. I think his uh, his right eye was cut from an accidental head, but it was very scrappy at parts of it, and. Uh, Gabriel Rosado. I'm going to go on record to say this. I really don't rate him as a fighter. I really don't. I know he's been in there with some good fighters, but you know he's he's just not good enough. He's he's really not good enough. His record now 23 and 10. Willie Monroe Jr. 21 and 3. And the less said, the better on that fight because it was really boring. Also on that bill, Joseph Diaz Jr. 22 and 0. Now he picked up his 22nd win with a TKO in round nine over Andrew Cancio who had a record of 17 and three with the two draws, Cancio was cut on the bridge of his nose from a punch in round three and of course he was stopped standing the referee jumped in and waved it off in round nine, so Joseph Diaz, a good good win for him there and he looked really really good in that fight all the best for him, he's a a real good fight, we've said it many many times on this show, and also on that bill, cousin of the promoter of the whole bill of course, uh, cousin of Oscar De La Hoya, Diego De La Hoya he moved to 16 and 0 with with a win over Luis Orlando Deval, who had a record of 22 and two, and it was a unanimous decision after 10. 10- Rounds also on that bill, Joshua Franco, and uh, he he moved to seven and zero. His opponent Brian Bazan, who had a record of nine and three, Bazan was down twice in round three and once in round four, and that is when the stoppage came. It was a KO in round four. So Joshua Franco, a product of that Robert Garcia Boxing Academy over in Oxnard, um, a good win for him, and um, you know he's he's a bright prospect that everybody should listen out for. Also on that bill, another prospect of the Robert Garcia, Boxing Academy. Hector Tanahara, we've had him on the show before. He moved to 7-0 and with a win over Roy Garcia. It was a win over four rounds, and it was unanimous. Also on that bill, our very own friend of the show, Anthony Yard, he moved to 8-0 with a TKO in round one over Rayford Johnson. Rafer Johnson, 11-20 going into that bout. It was a bit of a last-minute thing, you know, because his opponent was to be announced for quite a long time. I think that fight got made on the, you know, on the week of the fight because there was no announcement prior to that, and it just came in at the last minute. I don't know too much about Rayford Johnson, but he was stopped in the first round. It was like a left hook to the temple, of Rayford Johnson. He had a bit of a flurry early on in that first round where um, Anthony Yard was able to weather the storm and come back with good shots. You know, we know that he likes to get them done early and this was no different, to be honest. It's brilliant for him to have made his mark over there stateside. A lot of people um, were were really excited. I saw a lot of tweets, actually, from Americans that were there in attendance at the time saying, this kid looks really good. I'm certainly going to, you know, start watching him and seeing how he progresses. So that's really, really great stuff for Anthony Yard's fan base to be known over in the States so early on in his career career and of course as I say he he landed this left hook and his opponent was on the ropes and he just kind of didn't know where he was, was, he didn't even go down but he was just, he was completely dazed, his hands fell down and he looked like he was going to go and the referee jumped in and saved him. So that's a TKO win in the first round for Anthony Yard. So he's now 8-0 and with seven knockouts. So um, good stuff for him. I really, really wish him the best. But that's really it for the reviewing. That is all the reviewing. That's all the talking of the fights that happened last week. Of course, in a minute, we're going to welcome our first guest. But before that, Ayaz comes in with the news. Ayaz, tell us this week's news. Michael Conlan has signed a professional contract with Top Rank. Yes, a big, big move for him. Of course, a bad, bad, bad decision going against him in the Olympics, in the 2016 Olympics that have just gone over in Rio. So um, he was very annoyed with that it was a disgraceful decision the less said the better on that and he's now decided to turn pro with top rank with Bob Arum he's done the jump he's gone over to the United States to fight and um, it'll be interesting to see what Bob Arum does with him because he moves his fighters really really well he creates fantastic opportunities for them and it's an exciting link up it really is I saw a picture on Twitter of him and Bob Arum both with their middle fingers up and um, they looked like they were having a lot of fun so I'm not sure what that's all about but uh, I think it's got something to do with what he did in the ring in Rio. I think he was, he was swearing all over the gaff, wasn't he? So uh, we wish him all the best of luck, of course. Him and his brother, real, real good fighters. it would be exciting to see what he can do in the pro ranks. Okay, Ayaz, um, any more news?
3: Yes, Paddy Barnes announced he's turning professional as well.
2: Yeah, Paddy Barnes, of course, it's come out this week that he's signed some sort of contract with MGM Marbella. Um, surprising that one, to be honest. I thought he'd go with a big-time promoter, but I'm not sure if that's promotionally or managerially. I know that um, MGM Marbella, they actually do both sides of, of, of the stuff, so I'm not sure what that is. But anyway, it's exciting to see Paddy Barnes has made the decision to turn pro. We all know he was a great amateur. Uh, yeah, any, any more news, guys?
3: over mckenzie has pulled out for clash this Saturday against marco huck
2: yeah we was all excited for that one it was um, it was set to happen over in Germany of course and um, he's, he's pulled out of the bout with an illness over McKenzie I remember having him on our show on one of the first shows we ever done it was just after his world title challenge for the IBF cruiserweight title over in I can't remember where now but somewhere in South America and he was, he was brilliant I'd never spoke to him before before he came on our show and it was great to have him on and he really could have probably won that fight it was a bit of a strange decision but uh, he was going to get another big shot here against Marco Huck it wasn't for any kind of major title or anything like that but it was a big big fight and it was one where he was going to receive probably a large paycheck and if he got the win over margot huck it would certainly set up something big for him down the line which unfortunately didn't happen so um i hope that he gets a speedy recovery and i uh, hope that he gets a chance at having this fight once again
3: yes and finally chris eubank jr has vacated the british middleweight belt after pulling out next month's title defence against Tommy Langford due to an injury.
2: Yeah, it's strange, this one. Um, I'm not sure if it was the injury that came out first or the fact that he was vacating the belt. I think maybe he was... I think maybe he he was he vacated the belt and then the injury come, but he was set to take on Tommy Langford. Now Tommy Langford and Chris Eubank Jr. have previously sparred. A lot of people say that Tommy Langford got the better of him again, sparring, sparring, and people tell tales. But um, that's that is. What people were saying, I'm not sure that, you know, I know that Eubank Jr. would be a huge favourite and I'd definitely serve with him in that fight and um, it was definitely a hard task for Tommy Langford but it's interesting now, Ayaz, what do you think about this? Because it's, it's a strange one, you know, he's had two or three chances to fight for a world title he had the Danny Jacobs fight lined up sort of thing which he decided to vacate his, um, his interim belt and then he had the Billy Joe Saunders rematch on the cards and he decided to turn that down for what I'm told was Big, big money. And then, of course, it was there to fight Golovkin, which Kelbrook Brook ended up taking his opportunity. So, he decided to drop down. He went down to British level. He got the win over Nick Blackwell. And, you know, he wanted to win that belt outright and get free defences. And um, he, he's he's obviously vacated the belt, so he won't be winning that title outright. But what do you make of it? Where does he go from
3: here? That's the question. Where does he go from here? To be honest, I'm not quite sure myself because he's, he's always he's been stating he wants to fight Golovkin. And that fight didn't happen, that fight didn't materialize, so therefore Brook took the fight, like you said. was mandatory for Danny Jacobs, and he decided not to take that fight. So to be honest, there's no, for him, I'm not quite sure where he's going to go from there.
2: Where would you like to see him go from their eyes? Because it really is, I mean, he's, he's burning bridges with a lot of promoters. You've got Frank Warren saying he, he never wants to work with him again. You've got Eddie Hearn, you know, basically slating him in loads of interviews, saying that, you know, that they're, they're crackers, basically. Uh, Mick Hennessy was his promoter before, and that ended on a sour note, I think. And he just, I mean, who's he going to work with? W- do you reckon we could perhaps see him go over to the States for a while and maybe link up with someone? Over there, maybe join join with um, join forces with Al Heyman or something like that. I could see that happen, or he could be one of those boxers
3: that you, they don't have them. They don't have a promoter; they self promote themselves. So what they do, they just fight
2: on anyone's shows. Yeah, the thing with that is, I think he's he, he's basically tried that. You know, he's he's tried that. He's tried to to fight on these shows. He he fought on a couple of Frank Warren shows, I believe, with his dad promoting him, Eubank uh, Promotions, and um, you know, it hasn't really worked out. They're not able to generate the money that they could have and they're they're turning down loads of opportunities that that they're being you know that that are landing in their lap so to speak you know so in your heart of hearts do you think that we're going to see Eubank in his next fight or his next couple of fights do you think we're going to see him remain at at British level taking on your you know your Tommy Langford's and your Nick Blackwell's of this world or do you reckon that we're going to see him you know in there with some sort of world ranked opponent in the next few fights where do you see him going from here? opponent-wise.
3: Well, this fight, his next fight, I'm not quite sure. But I reckon by the end of 2017, he will have a big fight.
2: Yeah, you'd like to think so. I mean, people probably said that about the end of 2015, but we're we're still here and uh, hopefully we do see him stepped up because it really, really does need to happen. He's a tremendous talent. You know, I think he can definitely go all the way, but we're yet to see him prove it. You know, we're yet to see him... You know, actions speak louder than words, and he does a lot of talking. A lot of people trying to mock him, saying that because he said the other day, didn't he? He came out saying that his corner don't own towels. It was disgraceful that Kell Brook's corner threw in a towel. And then he pulls out of this British title fight, which was uh, pretty bizarre, to be honest. A lot of people finding that pretty funny. But is that it for the news, Ayaz? Yes, that's it for the news. Okay, excellent stuff. Well, that's really it. Just before we end part one, there's, of course, one last thing to do. And that, of course is to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome fresh back from his fight in Texas on Saturday. It's, of course, Mr. Anthony Yard. Anthony, welcome back on my show, my man.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you.
2: Always a pleasure, my friend. So how's things?
1: Oh, things are great, man. You know, so, um, it's a good feeling to done what I've done, go to Texas and fight in the AT&T arena at one of the biggest stadiums in the world under the Canelo Cards. Um, amazing
2: experience. And I know that you really took to the Mexican fans. A lot of them were starting to call you Antonio Yard. How, how good was that?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, what? Um, the reason I kept, like, I said it over and over again, that I love Mexican fans. Um, and I love die-hard British fans as well, and die-hard American fans. But um, Mexican fans are just something different. Like, the atmosphere they bring, the loyalty they have for their fighters. Like, if a fighter's from Mexico, the loyalty they give them is, is amazing. Tremendous, even if they're just starting off like their first fight, second fight. If they're Mexican and they represent Mexico, the support's amazing. But they bring, I just love the atmosphere they bring to boxing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, obviously, you took on Rayford Johnson on the weekend on, on the Canelo yeah. Smith undercard. You stopped him in the first round. I was just saying to our listeners a minute ago that it was like a left hook that seemed to daze him, perhaps catch him yeah. on the temple. Maybe is that an accurate description of what went down?
1: Um, I would say more of on on the chin. I hit him like square on the chin. Um, it's a lead left hook, and um, I just see that he had certain patterns when he was going back, and he just kept his hands very low. So when I dipped through the left hook, like I knew it was going to hit him even before it did. That's why I, I kind of like swayed off to the um, to the right of him, and um, yeah, I didn't feel really the need to hit him again because you know boxing is a dangerous sport, and um, if I hit him again, it could have been it could have made the whole night go sour because I had a clean shot on him. And how was sitting on the ropes, you know, boxing famous. dangerous. You're we wearing 10 out of 12. And when you're, boxed, when you're boxing at anything over, or usually middleweight and above. Anyone that can punch or that has an actual punch can really hurt somebody. So I'm not to put to hit him again.
2: Yeah, I see. You sort of backed off and then you realised, oh, the referee weren't stopping it. You went to walk back in and he just waved it off. Yeah, he'd done the right thing, I think, the referee. Now, were you happy with the way it ended, you know, getting a first round stoppage or would you have liked it to go the distance? Because remember, you're going out there, you want to try and make a bit of an impression, a lasting impression on the audience. Are you happy the way it ended with a first round KO? Um, I I was was caught in two
1: minds, really. I was 50-50. When it first started, I said to myself, "I, I wanted to go at least three rounds. Um, that's why, I, partly as well. When I actually did hit him initially, I kind of like went to the side. I wanted to do a thing to give him a count, and then kind of box after that. But um, I wouldn't have hit him anyway, even if I wanted the first round knockout. I would have probably just jabbed him or whatever and tried to drop him. a different way. but um, I did want to go a few more rounds. But then the only thing I didn't, the only thing I regretted afterwards is the fact that he was still on his feet. I wanted to um, have a, a more spectacular knockout on that kind of stage. But, you know, everything everything happens for a reason and I've got the knockout, I've got the job done, so I can't really
2: complain. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I saw a lot of tweets going on just after yeah. the fight, I saw a lot of American boxing fans saying that they liked what they saw and they were excited to see more of you, which is obviously yeah. a good look. Did you, did you, how were you received over there? How, how well were you treated, not just hospitality wise, but also by all those fans? I know that, as I, as I mentioned to you, we spoke just briefly. I know that you went straight on like a telecast. Everyone seemed to really like what they see, what they saw from you before the fight and after the fight. Yeah.
1: And as I said, like the way, the way boxing's run when there's a Mexican event going on, whether it's um America or England or anything like that, they take they really do take the boxing and um I I made good friends with one of the Mexican um presenters, um, Berto. He he like, he you know, he's a nice guy. When I was t- he's the one that was interviewing me, he was the one closest to me when I was um getting interviewed on that,
2: that Okay, little, um,
1: yeah. the table thing, yeah. And um they I don't know, they just love boxing man. And like they just they're nice people, they they talk to you, teaching me how to speak Mexican <laughs> so things like that, <laughs> you know. And Excellent. then you got ta- he's got tattooed the guy that. He was um, going because you know, in a, in, a, in America at the Golden Boy Show, they go around and give like, out t-shirts and on the microphone. It's like it's a concert. Um, he went and picked up my little brother and was calling out my little brother and things like that. So, you know, so, um, it was it was a good event for me, man. All round, it was the first fight my mum had been to as well, which was special to me. First time my little brother had been to. So it was a special night for me, all round.
2: Ah, oh, brilliant man, brilliant, brilliant. Now um did you did you get to watch Liam's performance? If so, what did you make of it, Anthony?
1: I said um I was proud of Liam man. He you know, he didn't go in there tonight and um, get a payday. Um he was genuinely fat and he's fat he's um arse off if I can say that.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Say anything on this show. <laughs> yeah,
1: Canelo's um you know, obviously a different in a different league. Um, whether that's in terms of experience, um, you know, he's fought so many champions he's fought the third man of Shane, Shane Mosley he's fought so many guys at the level at the age he is he's 26 but I would say that Smith's done a, a good job man you know to go nine rounds with Canelo and um, give him a fight he was hitting him whether, whether um, Canelo was doing that as, as on purpose to practice certain shots or whatever nobody knows but you know he gave in my opinion he gave him
2: a good fight yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, Canelo was extremely sharp. I think he, he definitely didn't underestimate him. You could see that by his performance, you know, which was, it was, it was a great performance that Liam put up. It was just like I was saying earlier, he kind of, some of the rounds he was winning like 1 minute 20 seconds but losing 1 minute 40 seconds and you just couldn't yeah. give it to him. It was, he'd done so well, it was, it was gutting to be honest. Um, I hope he, he bounces back from that. Now, when did you get back, Anthony? I bet your sleeping pattern's completely up the wall.
1: It's messed up. It? <laughs> you know, I got back on um, on Monday. Okay. And, um, I got back at on twelve noon, so I tried to stay awake all the way until like usual bedtime, so like around twelve twelve o'clock. It didn't work. When it when it got to, I was so tired. I went to twelve o'clock. I was drinking coffee, everything, stay awake. When it got to twelve o'clock, I couldn't go back to sleep. Like I was up, and I spoke to um, a few people I was with as well. They said yeah, they did the same thing. They were just up. So um, yeah, I'm still adjusting now. You know, uh they say coming to this country is
2: one of the hardest countries going you know, just back to. But like we always starts when I come back to this country, not when I'm actually in another country. Yeah. I hope we get that sorted out soon. And now you're listed to go back out on the on October the twenty second, you're you're out on the yeah. Wales card if I'm not mistaken. Would that be your last fight of two thousand and sixteen, do you think? Um not
1: sure really, I'm not sure. Um hopefully you know, hopefully I can get out again after that. So we'll just see what we'll we'll see how it goes. Really, if I get another first one, I'll probably be out again.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: I'm just waiting to see what happens. Um, I'm I'm ready to fight now. i have you know, I just done 25 in August, and um, yeah, I'm eight and all now,
2: soon to be nine and all. Yeah, onwards and upwards from here. Last time we spoke, you mentioned before. On our show, that uh, you believe that if Andre Ward against Kovalev, if that fight ever got made, you'd side with Andre Ward. Now that fight is happening. Yeah. I know that Kovalev was in the house on Saturday. Are you still mm. sticking with Ward to win that fight?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I've seen Andre Ward at Light Heavy Fight once. You know, whether he was, he wanted to get the rounds in at that weight, I don't know, but he, he didn't really look as, as sharp, I'll say, as he did at um, Super Middle. But, um, you know, he's fighting bigger guys now. They're taller, they're more rangey. They probably hit a bit harder. So, um, it, you know, for the second fight, a lot heavy. It might be too early for him to adjust, but I still go with Andrew Woods. He's got a, um, I always go with a, someone that can box. And he's, he's got a very good boxing brain in him, if not right now the best in um, in boxing. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with Andrew Woods,
2: 100%. Yeah, yeah, you can't argue that. Now, um... I just wanted to ask, are you happy with the progress thus far of yourself, you know, fighting as regularly as you have done this year? you happy with it all at this stage? 100%, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy. Um, you know, everyone, I've had a lot of people saying to
1: me about, uh, go over to Matchroom because there's are sports. I've had people saying to me, uh, um, like all sorts of things. I'm very, very, very happy with Frank and I'm a, I'm a loyal person. Uh, me and Frank, what, when, I, when I have a good relationship with somebody, there's no reason for me to go and um, have anything to any reason to jeopardize jeopardize that? I'm I'm not jumping guns here, but I have fought on the on the Canelo Smith undercard, in my eighth professional fight. I didn't go to the Olympics and win a gold medal. Um, I had twelve amateur fights, so sometimes it's just how you how how much you put in your grit and work hard. Sometimes and most of the time, I would say in my opinion, good things always come of it. It's how much you sacrifice, you know, the, the work you put in. So um, I don't really think it means too much about going to this promoter
2: or that promoter I'm with one of the best promoters now and it's up to me how I perform in the room. yeah for so, sure yeah I'm very happy with the way my career's going at, at the minute okay that's brilliant now um, there's another big Anthony in action this weekend Anthony Crawler. I don't know if you watch any of the lower weights at all do you pay attention to those weights yeah, I, I
1: know who Anthony Fuller is, yeah. I know, I know who he is.
2: He's, he's, he's a in a player, huge man. fight. Yeah, he's in a huge fight this, this, this weekend. Um, he's putting his WBA lightweight world title on the line against um, the former WBC champion, Jorge Linares. I don't know if you've got an opinion Linares. on that fight at all. Linares,
1: like, years ago, he was listed as one of the best up-and-coming fighters. He's going to be the best. Um, but his performance has dropped within however many years. So he's not the same fighter, in my opinion, as he was back then. But um, Anthony Collar, he digs deep. And he, he finds a way to win in some situations where, where you count him out. And you say, oh, yeah, nah, he's going to lose this fight. This guy's too big for him or this guy's um, stronger than him or anything like that. Anthony Collar's got a very good work rate. Um, he's world champion now. So, you know, this fight, this is an interesting fight for me to see. It's one of those fights where you say, oh, person should win. Oh, but this person can win. So it's one of them interesting matches or matchups when you see, I, I want to see that fact
2: so I'm definitely going to be watching yeah absolutely and we both um, we're both backing Anthony on that one now yeah. finally Anthony is there anything before I let you go that you want to get off your chest at all to anybody Um, <laughs> not, not
1: really um, the only thing I'll probably, I'm always on this thing of um, people messaging me a lot and sometimes I can't reply to everyone um, especially after my fights people always ask me for um, advice and they're, they're, they're amateur and they want to go professional and things like that. I say this the people I haven't applied to, I just say this to them I say, just keep working hard, believe in yourself, and make the sacrifices you need to make, and things will fall into place. Like, I, I just love to see people um, happy and succeed. I done a, um, a program the other day, and they said, What really upsets you? And I just I hate, I hate to see you at like things like poverty, people doing things they shouldn't be doing, kids getting led, led astray. Cause I was in that lifestyle as well, where any where I could have went a completely different um, lifestyle. And I see a lot of kids nowadays, people that even people that I know, are so growing up. I'm thinking they're going to be a football player because they were playing for the um, youth team of Chelsea or things like that. And I'm seeing them selling drugs now, and I'm like, what happened to you? Like you just you just got put into the cycle of doing wrong stuff because you're hanging around the wrong people. So you know, I was told them stick to what you're doing. If you want something, you can get it. It's like nothing's impossible. So um. Yeah,
2: that's what what, what I'll get off my chest a bit. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff there, man. And um, Anthony, listen, you know it's always a pleasure having you on this show. I want to thank you once again for giving us a bit of time this week. And we'll speak in the future very, very soon, of course. Anytime, anytime, 100%. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, we're going to start with the preview part, as always. We're going to start over in the Dominican Republic. Top of the bill over there, Javier Fortuna, 29-1 and one with the one draw. He takes on Marlin Cabrera, 22-0. and 0. That actually should be a good fight. I don't think that's going to be getting televised, but definitely pay attention to the... To, to the winner because that really is a good fight. That's a 10-rounder at Super Featherweight. That's it for the Dominican Republic. Now we're going to come back to the Civic Hall over in Graves, Essex. I was actually there the other day. Um, top of the bill over there, Ben Hall. We've had him on our show before. He's in a four-rounder at Super Welterweight against William Warburton. Now we've seen him upset a couple of prospects including Georgie Keen, Frank Warren's prospect, which I haven't heard much about actually for about a year or so, so I'm not sure what he's up to, but William Warburton 20 wins, 97 97- losses and eight draws. He has about 25, um, about 25, 30 fights a year, this man. He's really fighting every other week and um, I've got to say, you know, he's, he's in there against Ben Hall and Ben Hall, I don't want to say he's got to be on his A game to win because he's a good fighter and he should he should be able to beat him in his B game or his C game but William Warburton is very ragged and um, he definitely comes to fight, he's not one of them journeymen that that comes in there and um, you know just tries to lose, tries to cover up, he will really come for it and he'll try to get on the front foot so um, Ben Hall should get the job done here hopefully next week we'll announce that he's 9-0 and with the one draw but that's it for the Greys card over in Civic Hall, we're now going to fly out to Poland. I just want to mention top of the bill Adam Bowski, 6 and 0. That's his record. So he's had six fights, five by knockout. It's an eight rounder at Cruiserweight against Valery Brudov. Now, Valery Brudov, of course, we remember him. He came over to fight Tony Bellew. He's got a record of 43 wins and 9 losses, okay? So that's 52 fights under his belt. He's taken on a man here who's 6 and 0. Fair enough it's an 8 rounder, but wow, this is a this is a really um this is a lot to ask of someone who's only had 6 fights. So um I'm not sure about Adam Bowski. Maybe he's got a really good amateur career, but obviously, you know, whoever's made this fight is very confident in him. He's the home fighter and um you know, he better get the job done here because it's a, it's a real huge ask. I remember it was a bit of an up-and-down fight for um, Tony Bellew, not physically, not actually up and down, uh, literally, but um, but Tony Bellew was in a little bit of trouble. I remember that. But uh, it's, a, it's a big ask for someone who's 6-0, but hopefully he gets the job done. But that's it for Poland. We're now going to mention one fight happening over in Malaga, in Spain, of course. Um, top of the bill. Well, the only fight on this card, apparently, is just one of those... Um, one fight shows that they seem to have over in parts of Spain. Big, sexy Sean Turner. He looks to move to eight and oh, he's seven and oh at the moment. He takes on Valerie Semiska, so that should be um, an easy win there for Sean Turner. His man's opponent: eighteen wins and thirty losses with the one draw. Now we're going to go over to the big one happening in the Manchester Arena, formerly the MEN Arena, formerly the Funs for You Arena in Manchester, of course, United Kingdom. Top of the bill: Anthony Crawler. 31 wins 4 losses and 3 draws he's taking on Jorge Linares Jorge Linares the former WBC lightweight champion and of course Anthony Kroler putting his WBA world lightweight champion on the line it's also for some sort of WBC diamond title it's not officially a world title it sort of is it sort of isn't but um, it's it's a lovely lovely belt And it's, um, of course, got a bunch of diamonds on it. So it'll be great for anyone's mantelpiece. But uh, this really decides who's the best in the division. I know that you've got WBO champion um, Terry Flanagan, who'd have a lot to say about that. But... You know, since Terry Flanagan won his title, which he won in spectacular fashion, by the way, when he won the title, when it was vacant. But ever since that fight, I think that Terry Flanagan has looked very lackluster. I think that he hasn't really been too impressive. You know, a few, he's got the wins. He's got them, you know, he's got the wins pretty wide as well, but he hasn't really looked spectacular. And, um, you know, I think that Anthony Crawler, with the momentum that he's got, he's really, really tremendous at the moment. He's brilliant, always brilliant to watch. You know, great, great wins. I know that you're a huge fan of Anthony Kroller as well as I am, Ayaz. Um, how do you see this fight going? It's a big, big, big fight. Jorge Linares is looked at as the number one man in the division. Of course, if Kroller could get the win here, he would become the, the number one man as well. I know that Jorge Linares is a big favorite, even though he's traveling over from Venezuela. How do you see this fight going, Ayaz? Talk to me.
3: Obviously, uh, Lenares is the favourite going in. But remember this year, when Crawler fought Perez, where he won the title, and then he fought Ishmael Barroso. Now, a lot of people, fought, when Ishmael when he fought Ishmael Barroso, Ishmael Barroso was favourite to go in, in that fight. And Crawler stopped Barroso. Obviously, many people are going to be thinking, yeah, Lenora is going to win this fight because he's the favourite. But remember this year, it's, this is boxing. And obviously, if he wins this, this could be a big upset.
2: Yeah, um, you know, yeah, as you said, both times that Crawler has fought at world level um, when he when he fought um, when he fought the first time against Perez and it was a draw then he got the rematch and he knocked him out and then he took on Ishmael Barroso as you said he's been the underdog in all of those fights but he's managed to win so he's been absolutely brilliant and he's been upsetting the odds but this is a huge ask and this is the biggest fight of the lot this is really probably the biggest fight that can be made in the lightweight division to be honest I know that Crawler and Flanagan would be a huge fight over here but i don't think it really makes as much money as a lot of people may think i think that linares and crawler it's, it's a great great fight It decides number one uh, who is going to be the number one in the division in my honest honest opinion so eyes i'm going to press you for a prediction here who do you think is going to win this fight maybe we can bring up the prediction league if we, if we both go against each other i'm going for a crawler win on points Okay, I'm going to go with Linares. Okay, so we don't really have to say the the outcome, whether it's going to be points or knockout, but I'm going to go with Linares. In my heart of hearts, I really hope that I'm wrong because I want. Crawler to do it. I really, really am a huge fan of Crawler. He's he's brilliant, man. I really love Crawler, and um, I'd love him to pull it off. But I think it's it's the hardest ask that's been put in front of him. It's the hardest task that's been put in front of him, and he really will have to be on form here. He he has been in tremendous form in his last few fights, but let's have it right: Dales Perez and Ishmael Barroso, are no Jorge Linares. So it really is going to be going to be a great great, great fight. I'm really looking forward to it. I cannot wait till Saturday night. But that's it for the main event. We're now going to move down the undercard. John Ryder takes on Jack Armfield. John Ryder, 23-2. and Jack Armfield, 20-2. and John Ryder's formerly been on this show as well. Uh, He's fighting for the WBA international middleweight title. He's looking to defend it. He's actually the champion. It's over 12 rounds, of course, at middleweight. And um, all the best of luck for John Ryder. This is a bit of a um, it's not a great card. But there is some, you know, apart from the main event, the main event's a huge, huge fight. And the undercard's not great. And the reason why I think is because it's not on pay-per-view and there's not that extra money there. But Callum Johnson's also on the bill. He looks to move to 16-0. and 0. His record at the moment, 15-0. and 0. He's fighting for the vacant Commonwealth light heavyweight title and also on the bill Josea Burton a fighter that I really believe in a fighter that I really think can do big things and he's really quite classy and that's of course a cousin of Tyson Fury now Josea Burton was supposed to fight Frank Bulioni. we had Frank Bulioni on the show talking about that fight as well but he actually picked up a well he picked up an injury it was a cut eye if I'm not mistaken so that fight ended up being you know being cancelled so Josea Burton decided to still go ahead and fight and he's Replacement opponent turns out to be Fernando Castaneda, who by chance actually has fought Frank Bulioni. Frank Bulioni knocked him out in the fifth round. His record is 24 and 10. So Jose Burton, I'm sure, will try to get him out of there quicker than Frank Bulioni. But you know, he's got to keep his eye on the prize. He's got to still be on his A game to get a win here. But Jose Burton, 17 and 0, and I think he's really, really good. I wish that that fight happened between Bulioni and Jose Burton. It looks like it may happen in. In the future, I'm hoping so, but it's a shame because it was, apart from the Anthony qualifier fight against Linares, which is going to be a great, great fight I'm really looking forward to, as I said, the next fight I was really looking forward to was Jose Burton and Frank Bulioni. it was going to be a great fight, it was a bit of a 50-50 in my opinion, but um, because that fight is not taking place, it's kind of took the, um, it's kind of deflated the card a little bit now in in terms of excitement for me on my part anyway I'm sure a lot of guys still look forward to the other fights but that was a great great fight in my opinion now also on that bill Marcus Morrison he looks to move to 13 and 0 also on the bill Isaac Lowe again he's another man that's been on our show he looks to move to 13 and 0 he's got that one draw his opponent to be announced he's not been announced yet and that's a featherweight of course and Connor Ben, he gets out again that's another good thing for the card hopefully they show that fight on the telecast I'm sure that they will and he looks to move to five and zero. He takes on Ross Jamieson, who has a record of one win and one loss, and that's a four rounder at one forty. But that's really it for the previewing. That's all the previewing done. That last card I just mentioned there, the Crawler Linares fight will take place on Saturday night on Sky Sports, and of course that's the twenty fourth of September this Saturday. So a real intriguing main event, of course. Uh, that's it for the previewing. As I said, there's one last thing to do before I welcome come on our second guess and that last thing is to mention the funny name fighter of last week, his results so we mentioned last week Aram Amir Kanyan. he's actually a real person it's unbelievable, he picked up a TKO in round 5 and he extends his win record to 6-0 and so a good win for Amir Kanyan. and one that I just wanted to mention is happening this week, just want to keep this little segment short and sweet there's a fight this week taking place in Georgia USA, a man called William Williams is taking on a man called Jamal Williams. Okay, so if William Williams wasn't funny enough, then he's actually taking on a man called Jamal Williams. So the fight is William Williams against Williams. So it's all a bit confusing. But uh, if, I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to put my money on Williams to win it. <laughs> Okay, we'll leave that there, but that's it for the funny name segment, short and sweet. Now the last thing we've got to do of course before we get on to the end of the show, and that is to welcome our second guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the hard hitting middleweight and these days an internet sensation. It's of course Mr. Spike O'Sullivan. Spike, welcome back. It's great to have you on again. Thanks very much for having me on again, Joey. good to be back. Yeah, man, always, always. Now, firstly, Spike, you fought on the weekend over in over in the states at New Hampshire against Jamie Barbosa. Now, you won the fight unanimously over eight rounds. I haven't seen the fight. Could you briefly talk us through it?
0: Well, um, it was my first fight back um, since December, so I've been uh, almost ten months old. So uh, it was good to get the rounds under my belt, and uh, eight yeah,
2: rounds was uh, good for me, and you know, shake off a bit of ring rust and went quite well. I mean, as I say, I haven't really seen the fight. Was it? Were you were you happy with your performance at all? I really haven't seen even a clip of it at all. Um, yeah, I'm reasonably happy. You know,
0: uh, I won pretty much every round and uh, dropped him in the seventh. And you know, he's, he's a big enough, tough, strong guy. Uh, he challenged for the interim world title last super middleweight, and he had been also a WBC world champion. You know, he, he was he was no mug. You know, and as um, I say, my first fight back in. Uh, nine months in end, and I only play for five weeks. So, uh, yeah, all in all, i was happy.
2: Okay, great stuff. Now, um, would will that, will that be it for you for this calendar year, or will you be fighting again before the year's up?
0: Um, no, no, I intend to be uh, out again before the end of the year, definitely. I was actually offered a fight there in uh, Vegas in October, but um,
2: I won't be able to do that
0: because my missus is due at BABA this coming Monday. Oh, so wow. I have to look after things at home first. And, but I'm back in the gym there uh, tomorrow, so I'll be keeping it in shape. I uh, can't on the way for training camps for a few weeks.
2: OK, congratulations on that, by the way. Thanks very much. <laughs> now, in your opinion, I think you said um, you said he was too small, um, Brook, going into that fight against Golovkin. Um what did you make of his performance afterwards, Spike? I mean, personally, me, I thought he did pretty well in the first, in the first, you know, the first four rounds. I kind of had it two rounds apiece. How did you see it? I know a lot of people gave him no chance beforehand, but surely he did quite well, no?
0: Yeah, I think uh, he done very well. I think, uh, you know, his stock has risen. The result of that fight, I think, uh, you know, he showed how good a boxer he is, and uh, he caught Golovkin more frequently than anyone I've ever seen catch him. I think being a bit smaller, he's a bit faster, and that helped. Uh, inevitably, uh, in the end, uh, you know, he was injured and taken out. It was just going to happen. Lock was a bigger, stronger man, but uh, he done very well.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I'm sure you would have seen Chris Eubank Junior. respond to the whole thing, saying that his corner doesn't own towels; they'd never throw in a towel. Then the following week, he vacates the British title and pulls out of the fight with Tommy Langford. What do you make of that spike?
0: I think it's pretty embarrassing. I think it's, it's embarrassing to sport as well. Like an, like a mockery of sport. I think it was a big insult. To what he said as well to Tommy Langford. You know, you know I think he would have beat Tommy Langford. I, in my opinion. You know, but I think it's uh it's very really insulting. I think he's an insulting guy, and I think it was very disrespectful to the um, fans. You know, the box fans. Uh, Frank Warren stated that uh, you know, all people have booked tickets, hotels, travelling, whatnot. You know, and to let them all down. I think uh, you know, and. His comments about throwing and the towel as well, you know, uh, the doctor's statement saying that he'd only tennis elbow, which I've had, oh God knows how many times, to be honest. My elbows have been sore in training camps and still fought, like, you know, uh, I think overall it was embarrassing, really.
2: Yeah, and are you over that oh. whole saga now with with Eubank Junior? I know that for a while he kind of got on your well, he got on your nerves. You you got on his nerves a bit. Are you over that whole that whole thing now, or is it just a case of you might wake up and feel light like in him?
0: <laughs> um, you know, I still uh, don't really like him. You know, and I, I'd like to fight him again. He busts my eardrum that fight and uh, disorientated me, and you know, it, it messed with my equilibrium and my balance and you know my vision also as the fight progressed. So, um, I'd like to um, send the score and fight him again, you know, but then, um, yeah, you know, he's calling himself a warrior and this and that, and you know, what kind of a warrior pulls over a sore elbow. Yeah. So, you know, I think, as I say, uh, the, the overall, the, uh,
2: overall, I just think I described things as, as an embarrassment the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave that there. Now, I know that, obviously, you wanted him in the ring for a long time. You got that fight. It didn't work out on the night, despite putting in a good effort. Now, it seems like you've got your eyes set on the former Olympic bronze medalist and unbeaten as a professional, Anthony Agogo. Where did all that stem from, Spike? And why did you dislike him so much?
0: Well, um, he said he'd fight uh, me, you know. Um, he came over to stay, and there one. I think he might have been after a few drinks, to be fair, to no, know, right? You know, he... Uh, I think he I'm not sure I think he was a in the boxing match now I'm not sure but looked like he was I thought he looked like he was out a the few rings. he was saying that he'd fight Billy Joe Fox because you junior on me I was actually oh, injured at the time and I wasn't sure whether right I'd fight again it was two months after the Bang fight so it uh, kind of pissed me off that he was talking over me at that point and uh, you know I'd like to fight him and since then he's come out with very uh, strong statements and he my career if we fought and, you know that. Me, you know, told me, he that he's in my career before, I think dream man you know, and he also has some motors When I called him up, they said that I need to get a W on my record, which I've got right now, actually, on the last Saturday night. And I think
2: the guy I beat was by far a better fighter than any guy he's ever beaten
0: in his career. And uh, I'm here and I'm ready for the fight if he wants to have the fight, you know
2: you made a statement um, you said that you were going to knock him out whether whether you saw him in the street in a press conference now I know that you joke a lot but I really sensed that you wasn't joking when you said that would you really try to hit him outside of the ring
0: I would yeah because uh, he made a um, video with Ivan London uh, giving me a lot of grief um, you know I, I don't intend to in let him get away with that and you know when I see him uh, I'm going to have a, at least two strong words day I have the thing to smack in the mouth, shut him off. Okay. I don't, I don't, think he's got the to get me, so uh, you know I want to get my life
2: Okay. Now, ideally for you, if that fight was to happen, when would you like that fight? Because it's a bit, it's a bit rushed if it was going to happen at the end of this year. I don't suspect it will. Um, will it? W- would you? Would you be happy for it to happen sometime next year? If so, when would it be best for you?
0: Um, I need it really you know, I'd like to be fight it before the end of the year. No problem. Mate. I fight him many time. like you know. I don't think he's a such a big trash, To be honest, I think uh, it be a really, really easy fight. For me. I don't okay. think he's on my level. And uh, I don't, you know, I fight him many
2: times. Okay, now, um, obviously, a lot of people have really, you've really kind of captured the imagination of a lot of fans. A lot of people were really loving some of the videos that you're doing recently. I mean, I saw the one where you you walked into Subway wearing a mankini, which was just Brilliant, brilliant watch, and um, <laughs> right. I just wanted to know if there was any other videos coming up soon, do you plan these, Spike, or is it just literally, you, you, you know, just heated a moment, not heated a moment, but like off the cuff kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I've got this coming to my head and uh, it's still for the crack too, my brother, uh, we've been laughing on it, therapeutic, <laughs> good for the mind, uh, laughter is the best, best medicine, it's <laughs> we, a great laugh making, you know, and it's uh, good fun.
2: Yeah, of course. Now, before I let you go, Spike, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to get anything off your chest, if there is anything. Is there anything that you want to get off get off your chest at all? Um,
0: not really. No, I'm just. Um, I suppose Antonio Gogo, like you know, and Sourland Brothers, Um, I got a W. Now that you were asking for, and uh, you know, the battles in the airport. I'll fight him any day. And game anywhere. I don't mind. I went to Norwich. As he, he said he wants to fight Norwich. You know, I'm sure I can do Norwich. I've done the. Uh, in and so uh, you know, him. Go to Germany you not know, anyway.
2: okay some strong words there for Anthony all right listen spike I just want to say it's always a pleasure speaking with you you know that anyway I appreciate you giving us a bit of time this week and we'll no doubt speak again soon my friend
0: my pleasure joy thanks very much appreciate it. thanks for having me on again and sure us not to you again soon
2: okay now it's time to conclude episode 51 of the box hard podcast i've been your host joey coastman ayaz sumra has been ayaz sumra throughout the month of august there weren't really any big fights on so we aimed to bring you four weeks of world champions we ended up bringing you eight weeks of world champions instead it, i think it started just before august now that run has now ended and we're back to reality with boxes that are relevant to each week's show firstly i'd like to thank our two guests that took part in this week's show of course mr anthony yard and mr spike o'sullivan two real gentlemen outside of the ring and two real animals inside of the ring it's always a pleasure now finally the biggest thank you of all goes out to our listeners that make this show what it is remember if you get time please leave us a review on itunes as it really means a huge deal to us we'll be back next week with another big show as always until then my friends take care